Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? It is good to see you. Thank you. On top of teaching the Bible, I have managed to accomplish to also teach the manners. Amen. It is legitimately good to see you guys. And I'm so excited. We are in the last week of the series that we've been in for the whole month of January. Now it's carried in to February. We've been in a series called The Parable where we're talking about one of the most important stories that Jesus told. And a parable is just a story that's illustrating a concept. So he wanted us to understand the concept. And so for the past four weeks, we've talked about a lot of what not to do. Amen. So we've talked about um, the first message where Jesus talks about he's scattering seed. A farmer goes out to scatter seed. Some seed falls along the footpath. And then it just gets snatched up by a bird. Now, how many of you guys know, even if you don't know the parable, you know that if somebody's sowing a seed and it gets snatched up by a bird, that's bad news, right? Do you guys, you guys don't know like that? Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. I would hope that you would know that if a seed gets eaten by a bird, it did not accomplish its purpose. The seed is supposed to bear fruit. I'm already getting into the message. You guys got me ahead. All right? So the first soil that Jesus talks about in this parable, the parable of the sower, to catch you up, a farmer goes out and scatters seed. Some falls along a footpath, a hardened path that the word, the seed, cannot penetrate can't accomplish its purpose, and then a bird just comes and eats it up. Jesus said, that is like people who hear the word of God. The seed represents the word of God. It's like people who hear the word, and then it doesn't penetrate, and the enemy just comes and steals what they heard. And we learn that that happens from the repeated hardening of their heart, because that's what happened to the footpath. Footpath is made of soil, so it's the same substance that is supposed to be planted in, but it's been trampled over so much. Some of our hearts have been trampled over so much by things we've heard from the world, from people around us, uh, from things we've chosen to expose ourselves to, or we didn't choose, but we got exposed to, messages that we've heard, things that we're seeing on social media, and it's hardened our heart to the word of God, and Jesus is warning us against that happening. The, others, the next soil that he talks about is when it falls on the rocks. And this is a rocky soil, meaning there's a layer of rock under it. So there's only a little bit of soil. So there's no foundation. There's no place for the roots to go down. And he says, this is like somebody who hears the word of God and is immediately excited. And so the plant starts springing up quickly, but there's no root, meaning they have not fully considered all that it's gonna cost, nor have they invested in what it takes. So these are the Christians who are really excited to hear, oh my gosh, Jesus saved my soul. He has forgiven my sins, but no next step. No no reading of the word of God, no praying, no investing in the relationship, no allowing it to go deeper. So then when trouble comes and challenges come, like he says they will, that person falls away from the faith. And he says it's like a plant that withers up. The next soil is called the thorns. Somebody say the thorns. thorns. That was one of my favorite ones to teach because we did two parts. Jesus says that this last, this uh, third soil is like uh, when the seed goes in it, it grows, but thorns grow with it and start choking it so that it never produces fruit. And he says, these are the people who believe the word of God and they start living this Christian life But the anxieties and worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word. And we talked about that for two weeks. If you haven't heard it, I would really suggest to go listen to the podcast. I I preached the message about worrying, and then I had to listen to it myself the next week. 
So I wasn't worrying. Does anybody remember from that message what my grandpa line was? What was it? There we go. Do your best and let God do the rest. The old man line that has really been helping me through life because all you can do is your best, but we can get so just caught up in worrying that we never get to what God actually wants us to do. And we can also be deceived by riches. That was the next message and get a false sense of security in temporary things, and it chokes out what God is trying to do in our life. Are you ready for the good soil? Okay, I am, because it's been four weeks of talking about what not to do, who not to be. Today, we get to talk about who to be, what to do, and that excites me, because I like talking about positive things. Do you guys? Okay. All right, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump in. God, I just invite you into this moment. We thank you that you're already here. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just speak to us, that you would feed your people, that you would train us, that you would equip us, that you would help us to live the life that you've called us to live, the abundant life that you have for us, Lord. Teach us about you and let your heart be on display tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... The last soil that Jesus talks about in this parable, he says, still other seed fell on good soil. Say good soil. soil. Where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I love how Jesus ended certain teachings because Nobody knew what he was talking about when he said that, when he first said it. It's like, I give you this deep teaching, and then whoever has ears, let them hear. Boom. And just walks off. And the disciples came up to him, and they're like, what did that mean? And he's saying, if you understand this truth, it will help you a lot in life. But if you're not open to it, If you don't have your ears open, you won't hear, you won't understand. If you don't have your heart open, it won't be able to penetrate. If you don't have your eyes open, you won't be able to see. And so he was talking to a crowd of people, much like I'm talking to a crowd of people. Some of you are more open to this message than others. I encourage you, open your heart to what God wants to say, and whoever has ears, let them hear. So... He's saying some seeds were stolen. Some seeds produced a crop that withered. Some seeds produced a crop that was choked, but some seeds produced a crop that produced 100 times what was sown. And I don't wanna focus on the 60, I don't wanna focus on the 30, because he said some seed produced a crop that was 100 times what was sown, some 60, some 30. Tonight, I just wanna talk about the 100. You guys cool with that? I just like going all the way for it. I don't wanna live my life getting 30 when I could get 100, amen? So tonight's message is titled 100X. And I didn't create that. I actually got that from our uh, director of Youth and Young Adult Services, my boss, Jeannie Mayo. She's awesome and that's like her motto for life. 100X. So she just started a podcast, and it's called the Jeannie Mayo 100X Leadership Podcast. There's your ad. (laughs) She's my boss. And no, 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 seriously, it's a good podcast. However, I got the name from there because she's actually like lived this out. She's done 50 years in youth ministry, which is unheard of, and she's devoted her life to seeing what God has put in her multiplied in people. So she's a great example of it, and she has a really cool title for her podcast, and it's the title of tonight's message. Figured I'd explain that. So the title of tonight's message is 100X. Can you say 100? 100X. Because I want us to live 100X lives. This is what we're all called to. Not just her, not just me, but each and every single one of us is called to live 100X life. Jesus said, many are called, few are, right? So everybody's called, few are chosen because few respond. If everybody's invited, 
but only a few are chosen, what does that mean? If everybody was invited, but only a few were chosen, he's saying not everybody showed up because the invitation was open. But if we don't respond, if we don't have ears to hear, if we don't have eyes to see, if we don't open up our hearts to what Jesus wants to do, then we're never gonna be able to see what we could have really done with our lives. And so I think as young adults, a lot of times, I don't know if you guys ever have this thought, but I've had this thought plenty of times. What am I doing with my life? Have you guys ever felt that way? Raise your hand if you've asked that question ever. All right, raise your hand if you've asked that question in the last week. Be real. See, it's so real. What about today? Yeah, most of us, especially if we have jobs, that's like one of the main things that we ask ourselves. (laughs) What am I doing with my life? Ah, I'm going here, I'm doing this, I'm hanging out here. What is my life about? And we're in this like prime time where we're young, we're wanting to have fun. We also have a ton of dreams and aspirations. We have so much future ahead of us, so there's so many possibilities. And so we're asking ourselves, man, what am I gonna do with my life? What am I doing with my life? I have found a very great answer. 100Xing my life is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take what God put in me and multiply it as much as possible, invest it as much as possible in every area that I can because he said that that's gonna produce the fruit that he's designed us to produce. And he told another story, another parable that I feel like illustrates this point greatly. There's a lot of relationships that we have with God. I'll say there are several relationships that we have with God. He calls us sons and daughters, right? He calls us his heirs, meaning we have an inheritance as his sons and daughters. Jesus also calls us friends, but we are also servants, and he's Lord, and he's our master. And for some of us, that was like, servant. Sounds so demeaning. But Jesus said, the greatest among you is the servant of all. And Jesus said, the son of man, he was talking about himself. He said, God himself, the Messiah, came to earth not to be served, but to serve others. And so it is God's heart for us to serve. And so tonight we are really talking about what we're doing with our lives from a serving standpoint and serving God. In Matthew 25, he tells a story. Many of you guys have probably heard it. Many of you guys may not have. It's called the parable of the talents. It's one of my favorite parables, and it's one that I think about frequently uh, because it's important. So we're gonna read it, cool? We're gonna read the whole thing. You guys down to read like a whole parable from the Bible at one time? You guys can handle it? I know that a lot of times we're reading like one scripture in the morning or once a week. So we're gonna stretch a little bit and we're gonna read a whole parable. Cool? All right, so Matthew 25, 14 through 30, if you're trying to read along. You can read whatever version you would like, whatever works for you, whatever helps you to understand it best. I'm reading the New International Version. Jesus At this time, he was explaining to the disciples what things are gonna be like when he comes back. So Jesus showed up, he lived a human life as God, fully God, fully man, and that was like his first arrival. We know how it ended. He was crucified, then he resurrected, ascended into heaven. But he said he's coming back. And the disciples wanted to know what it would be like when he came back. And so he gives them a couple different things. He talks about the signs of the times. Then he gives a a parable. It's called the parable of the 10 virgins, right? And in our society, that sounds a little weird, right? But all he was explaining in that parable is, man, when he comes back, it's going to be like 
the virgins really represent bridesmaids. And in those times, the bridesmaids, when the groom would arrive to the wedding, the bride was like tucked off somewhere. The bridesmaids would be waiting on the groom to come. And as soon as he come, came, they would usher him in to the ceremony. And so he was saying that we need to be like the bridesmaids who are ready for the groom to come because they didn't know when he would be there, but they had to be prepared. They had to have oil in their lamps so that they could see, so that they could lead him, that they could guide him. They had to be ready. Then he says again, meaning he's about to explain it in a different way, and he says this. Again, it will be like, when he comes back, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Now in our culture, we would say he flipped it, right? Okay, he flipped it. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. He flipped his. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. I flipped them. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I flipped them. I gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Seems like a pretty good deal, right? Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. So he took what the master had left for him, did nothing with it, and then returned it unchanged. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. What's happening there is the guy is really accusing his master's character and saying, it's really your fault that I didn't do anything because I was scared of you, because I know that you do some stuff that scares me, so then I didn't want to do anything with what you gave me. And so he responds. He doesn't even defend himself. And so he says, well, if that's how you felt, he says, well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You should have done something. Something. Somebody say something. something. Should have done something. So take, the, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've read that scripture in here before, and I remember it was heavy. And I was talking to my wife when we got home, and I was like, man, I know that was heavy, but it's real. He says it. And I feel like as the person that God has appointed to be up here and share his word with you, 
I would be doing a disservice to you if I didn't share everything that he says. And his word is good, and he's good, but he means what he's saying. And if we don't know the whole truth, if I just get up here and read the first half of it, like the dudes who flipped it, God came and said, well done, good and faithful servant. And everybody knows that line. Everybody, I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't hear a lot of people talk about that last part where he says, you wicked, lazy servant, take what he has, give it to the one who, who has already, and throw him out into the darkness. But it shows how serious God is about when he has given us something. And for me, I would hate for the first time you hear those words to be in judgment. And so I feel the responsibility to tell you everything I can now. We need to know everything now. We need to read the whole word of God now so that we understand and have a full picture of who God is. Because if we only take the parts that we like, that's not gonna serve us well. You can't be in a relationship with anybody and only have the parts that you like. That's like the last thing that we want with other people, right? Like, oh, you only want the parts that you like, so you want me to just do things for you, but there are parts of me that you don't like, and you just want me to keep these over here. Is that a close relationship? Would you view that as a friendship? So as we're getting to know God, we need to know who God really is. And God has things that he does not like. And just like God has a love that's way beyond what we can imagine, and he loves us way more deeply than we have the capacity to love, he also can dislike things more than we dislike them. And he can have a distaste for things that's deeper than our distaste for things. So much so, he could hate sin and disobedience enough that he would require murder to be the price of it, but be so loving that he would be the one to step in our place and receive that punishment. Amen? I celebrate that. But we have to know the whole counsel of God, and it's going to help us be productive here. So the first thing that, there's only two points for us to understand what's happening in this scripture. The first one is, God has entrusted his wealth to you. He said, he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. That says a lot. That doesn't mean he just randomly threw some stuff out here. God did not randomly create you. God has entrusted you with something. He's put trust in you with something he finds very valuable. God has given you great wealth, but it may not be in the terms that you think it is. You think that God can only give wealth and money, right? A lot of times we think that God is just gonna give us riches, but the reality is what God says is wealth is more than just currency. I would say God has given you great wealth in the form of time, talents, and resources. Say time, time. talents, talents, and resources. These are, these make up a lot of our lives. He's given us life, time. You're here right now, time ticking down, using up the oxygen. He's providing for you, keeping breath in your lungs, protecting you, covering you even when things seem bad, even when things happen that we don't understand, what we can say is if we're here right now, God has given us something very valuable that not a lot of people have any more of, and that's time. And God finds that very valuable. Talents. God has given you giftings, 
God has given you abilities. He said that he gave to each one according to his ability. God has given you abilities. Amen? Amen. Do you believe that you have abilities? Do you believe that you have skill sets? Does anybody believe that? I heard a few. Okay. Not all of us are going to feel like the most talented people, but the reality is God has entrusted you with time and with talents, even if you don't view them as all that important, even if you don't view them as all that valuable. There are things that are coming up in your mind right now that you know that you do well, but you may not think are all that valuable. God thinks they're valuable. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given them to you. You have abilities to do things that other people can't do. And he's given to each one according to his own ability, according to his own will. And so you have time, you have talents that God has given you that he finds valuable. Last, God has given you resources. Even the brokest of us have resources. And we can see, especially here in America, that the average poor person in comparison to people in America is still rich in comparison to most of the rest of the world. And God is even saying to those people who are much poorer than our poorest people that he's given them wealth and he's entrusted them with wealth. So God has given you resources that you can use in a lot of different ways. Point two to understand is God expects a return on what he's given you. And this can sound very cold. This can sound like, okay, God is just wanting, sorry, I had a little piece of hair. There we go, boom. (laughs) That was not a resource that I wanted. Okay, so a lot of us, like I said, we might not think these things are all that valuable and we might feel like this is somewhat cold-hearted. God has given us something and he wants a transaction, he wants an exchange. God sows things. If, if you'll see all throughout scripture, God compares himself to a sower. He talks about us being fruitful because when God sends something out, he expects it to turn into more than it was when he sent it out. And so he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful. I've created you guys. Now I want more than I've created and I'm putting that in your hands. Be fruitful and multiply. Be productive and multiply. Do something with what I've given you and multiply. God is expecting a return. He gives another parable that helps us understand this a little bit better. In Luke 13, six through nine, it says, then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is a picture right here. The owner of the vineyard is a picture of God the Father. And the man who tends the vineyard is Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church, right? And so a vineyard is something that's set apart from the rest of everything else. And its sole purpose is to bear fruit. Jesus' church, his people, his believers, his disciples, who he calls his body, is set apart. He says that we are set apart, that we're called to be holy, set apart. And he calls us to bear fruit. And he's given us what we need to bear fruit. And he's coming to inspect And he expects to see something done, something producing, some life. And so what he's saying in this parable is, man, God is looking at our lives. 
wanting to see a return on his investment. Man, this time that I've been giving you, these giftings I've been giving you, the resources that I've been giving you, what am I getting in return for it? Because God does a lot. I don't know if you guys agree, but I I think God does a lot for me. Do you guys feel like God does a lot for you? Some of you guys feel that way. When God wakes you up in the morning, when you couldn't control whether you would wake up or not, and God wakes you up in the morning, and your body still works, and even if it doesn't, you still have breath in your lungs, life, the ability to do something else, to do something that you didn't do yesterday, the ability to engage with him and have relationship with him, have relationship with the people around you, all of those abilities, God views that as valuable because not everybody has that. When you're able to go to work, some of y'all are looking for a job and you have the ability to look for a job and you're still alive and you're still breathing even as you're looking for a job, even as you're looking to maybe gain some more resources like we learned last week, every single person in the room wishes they had more money but you have the ability to do things that a lot of times we take for granted, man. Like even if we didn't wake up today, we still were given more than we deserved. And when we can start living that way, we'll start seeing things from a different perspective and we'll start being able to produce what God designed us to produce. God has entrusted his wealth to you and he's expecting a return on it and he's inspecting. So what's the good news? One, God himself wants to partner with us to ensure that we are fruitful. So God is not just inspecting, right? God actually wants to help and we see that right here where he says, I'll dig around and fertilize it. This is a picture of Jesus saying, I am going to work with my people. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna speak to them through the word. I'm gonna answer their prayers. I'm gonna lead them. I'm gonna protect them. I'm gonna provide for them so that they're able to do what we've created them to do. I'm gonna have relationship and I'm going to facilitate relationship between them and the Father and all these amazing things. This is what we were created for. This is what you were created for. This is what God wants for us, to really be able to live out our true purpose, for us to allow Jesus into our lives to engage with us. That's why he's so different from every other religion, every other God that you see. All the other gods, you pretty much have to roll the dice, and if you meet him when you die, it worked out, right? There's no other God that will actively be involved in your life that says they will answer you and actually will answer you, that will deposit their spirit in you, that will confirm things, speak through other people, will prove his existence to you. He's saying, I will dig around, not just, hey, let's sit back and see if they do anything. Let's just sit back and see if they're productive and if not, get rid of them. No. It's I've entrusted something very valuable to you. I'm expecting a return on it and I wanna partner with you in making sure that it happens. That's the good news. God wants to help you do everything that he's called you to do. Some of you guys feel like God has called you to open businesses, God has called you to take certain jobs. God has called you to travel certain places. God has called you to speak to certain people, to do certain things with your talents. He's not, he didn't just give you a gift and give you a vision, and now he's just sitting back waiting to see if you do it. No, he wants to partner with you. He calls us his sheep, and he says that he's our shepherd. God wants to walk with us, feed us, protect us. Lead us to green pastures. Tell us to sit down and rest when it's time to rest. Help us to get some sleep. Somebody say sleep. Sleep. Who needs more of it? Because a lot of you guys are not partnering with God. 
That's something that we have to fight for, myself included. We can get so into just doing stuff that we're not partnering with God. God is not in a rush. God is not in a hurry. God doesn't feel like, oh, if we don't get this done, it's not gonna get done. Oh, Michael, where are you? Oh, Gabriel, we're, we're late. That's not God. He's good. He knew what was gonna happen to you today. He knew you were gonna sit in traffic. He knew you were gonna get cut off. He knew that maybe there was less in your bank account than you realized. <laughs> he knew that you might be struggling in certain areas. He knew that even though you said, man, you weren't gonna do this again, and you said, God, I'm never gonna do this again. He knew you were gonna do it again. He's not getting caught by surprise. He's not getting caught off guard, but he still wants to partner with you. And that's really what this comes down to. When we're, when we're asking the question, man, how do I do this? How do I 100X my life? How do I live a life that produces the absolute maximum, the most that God can do? How do I live to my fullest potential? Well, I think he reveals it in his response to the two servants who did what they were supposed to do. He didn't say, well done, creative servant. Well done, intelligent servant. He didn't say, well done, any servant. I was about to give a bunch of examples, but there's no need. You guys get the point, right? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't just say hardworking servant. Well done. Servant who just was grinding. Well done. Servant who wasn't getting any sleep. Nah. Good and faithful servant. Wow, is that simple? Yes. Because God has very high standards, but he also gives us a whole lot of help. Like he has this super high standard, but then he gives us a boost to help us meet it all the time. It's like, yeah, I know you think that the standard is here. The standard is here, but I'm about to help you up here. And you can stand on my shoulders to reach it. That's what Jesus did. Oh, the standard for your salvation is ridiculously high. Death, torture, bloody murder. Crucifixion was horrific. But he took it on. And he paid the price so that we could be saved. That's how God operates. Really high standard. That's what a lot of us miss because we sometimes... We just remember that God is helping us and he's given us the boost and we forget the standard is high. And so we start slacking off. And so it's like, oh man, God just gave me these bags of gold. Man, God is so good. God has provided for me. What do I wanna do with this? Hmm, let me buy what I want, do what I want, invest this where I want, and just say, God blessed me. God gave me these bags of gold. Where did you get all these things from? Oh, God gave me these bags of gold. And look what I bought with it. Oh, oh, he had a plan. He had a will. He had desires for me to do something with this. I never even asked him. Oh, God made me smart because he wants to benefit from that in some way and wants to use that so that he can be glorified so that other people can understand how good he is and how much he loves them. Wow, not just to get an engineering degree and not just to make a bunch of money and not just to build my own kingdom. He made me smart so that I can do something that he considers to be fruitful. Wow, God made me creative, not just because he likes art. <gasps> God made me creative because he wants to be able to partner with me in the abilities that he's given me to be able to display his love to other people. Wow. God gave me this job. 
God gave me, he allowed me to get into this school. God denied me from this school and sent me over here. All these things that God has given me that he calls wealth because anything that he's given is valuable. God has given this to me because he is expecting something. Wow, man. So how do we 100X our lives? Simple, how we steward our time, our talents, and our resources determines what we produce with our lives. How we steward. That means everybody gets time, everybody gets talents, everybody gets resources. What you do with them makes the difference. What you do with them determines what you produce with your life. Whether it gets choked out and you produce nothing, or whether you produce 30, or whether you produce 60, or whether you produce 100, somebody say, I want to produce 100. Say it one more time like you mean it. That's what we need to tell each other, tell ourselves every morning. Wake up, I want to produce 100, man. 100x. Every day. And faithfulness is the difference maker. Man, how do I do this? Is it that I slave nonstop? No. Faithfulness is what it's about. That's all he's requiring. Well done, good and faithful servant. So here's a very simple way that we can apply this and live this out a filter that we can put this stuff through, ask yourself in every situation, how can I be faithful in this situation? Man, how can I be faithful in this conversation? How can I be faithful when facing this temptation? How can I be faithful with the money that God has given me? How can I be faithful with the giftings that God has given me? How can I be faithful at this job? How can I be faithful when I don't have a job, when I don't feel like I have what I need? How can I be faithful with the car that I buy or, and how I drive that car? How can I be faithful when I don't have a car and I'm in need? How can I be faithful in every situation? Three things that I'd like to hit on quickly is how, how can I be faithful with my time? How can we be faithful with our time? I think. We have to consistently prioritize what God says is most important. What God says is most important. Those servants did what their master wanted with the treasure he had given them because it wasn't theirs. What God has given you is not yours. It's his. So the time he's given you that you can't control how much time you get because it's given to you. A lot of times, man, we're not thinking about that. We don't know how much time we have left. And we know that our time is temporary here. And I think the more that we confront that, the more we'll value our time and the more we'll steward it wisely by saying, you know what, if God has given me this time and he's made it temporary, what does he want me to do with it? How do I prioritize? And so there's always gonna be tensions there's always gonna be different people pulling on your time. The higher you go, the more there is to do, the more people uh, that have desires and might have demands and the more requirements you have, the more, the more you're investing your time and your talents, the more opportunities come about and you have to learn what to say no to and to prioritize. And so for me, I'm constantly living in this tension, man, I have one, two, three, four, five, a lot of people that I could be connecting with right now, and I would love to be able to connect with every single person, but I only have so much time. God, how do I do this faithfully? Who's the most important person? She's sitting right there on the front row. Priorities. Everybody's important. Who's most important? What's most important? So her being good and us being good, top priority. Me and God, then me and her, then everything else. Sometimes that's gonna cause some tension because not everybody's gonna agree with what your priorities are, but you have to say, what does God 
say is most important. Am I being faithful here? And I know that by honoring my marriage, I didn't make a covenant with anybody except for God, who made, really made a covenant with me, and then I made a covenant with her. So priorities, amen? amen? How can I be faithful with my talents? Man, I think that we have to fully surrender our talents to God and devote them to the kingdom. These are messages all within themselves, but I think that if this is something that we can start digesting and praying through to God, it's gonna change our church, it's gonna change your lives individually, it's gonna change us collectively if we start actually living this out. Man, if I surrender my giftings, my abilities, my talents to God and devote them to his kingdom, that's how I produce my fullest potential because he holds the potential. He has the plan. So the more that I spend time and my talents in the wrong area, the more that I do it just for the money and the more that I just justify what I'm doing and say, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. I'm not consulting God, but oh, this is good. But no, when I say, man, how can I be faithful with these talents? How can I not waste what he's given me? Half of the things that I'm working on, I work on a lot of things on the side and most of it is not inspired by anything except for this parable right here, man, God's given me the ability. How do I not waste it? I might not even wanna do anything over here. Right now, I am working on a nonprofit behind the scenes that I'm not gonna see any of the profits of, but I'm trying to invest my talents and my skills in something that's just going to advance his kingdom and produce 100X, produce fruit, produce a crop, amen? But it takes some time to get there. We have to understand the goodness of God. I was not like that some years ago. I was investing my talents and investing my time in what I thought was best. But God is gonna be able to take what we have and multiply it. Last, man, how can we be faithful with our resources? I just wanna remind us what we talked about last week. We operate with wisdom, with integrity, and radical generosity. That's what you do with your resources. Man, is this the wise thing to do? Seeking God about that. That's how you're faithful. God, is this the wise thing to do? And when you get to a confident place, that's when you're able to do it, that this is the wise thing to do. Am I operating with integrity here? If the answer is yes, cool. Man, then being radically generous, that glorifies God. When we say, hey, we can be generous because we believe that God provides for us. So I can give this away and not be feeling like I have to hoard everything and keep everything that I have because I have to have what I need or else I won't be able to have it. I gotta get mine. We can be radically generous. We can live our lives with our hands open and that is faithfulness to God because the more that we're giving to other people in his name, it glorifies him and that is the goal. Amen? So as we're closing today, I just want us to think about the first scripture that we read. He said, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And I just wanna remind us of that tonight. Man, allow this to penetrate. Allow this to take root in your heart. Allow this to do something in your lives because your life literally depends on it. God is going to settle accounts. He came once, Jesus is coming back. And he gave a, a story to tell us what it would be like for each and every one of us. All of us have been given time, talents, and resources. When he comes back, is he gonna be able to say, man, well done, faithful servant. Man, you just stuck with it. You let me lead you, you let me guide you. You operated in the way that I've called you to operate and you helped to advance the kingdom that I'm advancing, the kingdom of life and love and grace and restoration and reconciliation that I am bringing to the world. You have invested your time and your talents and your resources to make sure that happens, to make sure people understand the love of God. Well done. 
You've been faithful. You've endured. I know it's been difficult. I know you face challenges. I know you face temptations. But I'm back. And it's time. And I want that for each and every single one of us. So if you'll bow your heads with me, I just want to pray a prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And I ask that you would help this to take root in our hearts. Lord, that our church, that fusion, that victory, that everyone listening, everyone who's gonna listen to this on the podcast, Lord, everyone who hears this, everyone who reads this parable, Lord, we pray for 100X lives where we're not distracted, where what you've given us has not been stolen, where what you've given us has not been choked out, where we didn't live to half of our potential or a third of our potential, but that we reached 100%, 100X. Lord, let that be the truth and the reality in each and every one of our lives so that your kingdom advances, so that your name is glorified and so that people meet you and know who you are. Lord, help us to lay it all on the line, put it all out there, leave it all on the field. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we have one more thing for you guys tonight, something special, and we put it on the heels of this message because where we're going as a ministry is rooted in this right here. We do something here that we find very special. It's called small groups. It's the heartbeat of our ministry. And tonight we are doing what's called a small group open house. And so if this resonated with you tonight, if you want to leave it all in the field, put it all on the line, if you want to produce everything that God's called you to produce, you're going to need other people to do it. You can't do it on your own. God has called us to do this together and to gather, to share, to be vulnerable, to be honest, to hold each other accountable. The only way that we can do this is not as individuals who are gonna walk out of here inspired, but as a team, as a family, as friends, as brothers, as sisters. Amen? And so we wholeheartedly believe that. Erskine is about to come up and explain kind of the logistics of this and how we are going to meet some of our awesome small group leaders. And a lot of you guys are gonna get plugged in the small groups. Love you guys. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.